Thank you very much, Travis. And I trust the message of that song is the desire of your heart in your daily living. And take a moment in silence. You share with the Lord your desire to be open and sensitive to the ministry of God's word this morning. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Again, Father, we're grateful for your written word as we consider a portion from Mark this morning. We want to be those who are doers of your word, moment by moment. For it's in Christ's name I pray, amen. Can you envision in your mind what will happen in a classroom of 20 students? if there is no teacher in that classroom for four hours? Can you envision what is going to happen among 15 workers on a job if there is no boss or foreman or overseer to kind of direct and to guide them? There's a lady who came to Christ when her children were young. She attended a ladies' group in Sunday school along with church and learned that she is to be following her husband's leadership even though her husband is a non-believer. Many times as her children were growing up, she felt that her husband was not quite on track but nevertheless followed his leadership. On several occasions, in the course of a given month, she will seek guidance and direction from her husband. Her husband respects her, and her children are learning respect for their dad and for God. Is there a reason? There's a teenager who is following, seeking to follow the shepherds in his life, his dad and his pastor. As a teen in his mid-teens, he has been struggling with teachers. And dad repeatedly has told him, son, you honor and you respect your teachers, even though you may not always agree. And he has been choosing to submit to his teachers. He struggles at times with his parents, being obedient to his parents, submitting to them. And a number of occasions, his pastor has exhorted him and strongly encouraged him to honor and respect his parents. He, in his mid-teens, is maturing, and character is being developed. Is there a reason? Let's take our Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 6. <coughs> Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> we'll begin reading with verse 30. Mark 6 and verse 30. Mark 6 and verse 30. In the context, the disciples had been sent out two by two to minister. They have come back, 
and they're going to be reporting to Jesus. Mark 6 and verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day. So the disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they may go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the, excuse me, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the, his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. As we consider this passage, I want you to keep in mind that Mark has been emphasizing very, very strongly concerning Jesus and who he is to this point in Mark. When we get to Mark 6 and verse 30, Mark has clearly stated that Jesus is unique. He is the Son of God. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He is sensitive to God's Spirit. He's able to resist Satan. And in light of who Jesus is, in his character and in his being, we find that Mark clearly expresses this character or being in recording events in Christ's life. Christ proclaimed the good news of God. He taught with authority. He quieted and cast out an evil spirit. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. He healed various diseases and drove out many demons. He prayed. He preached in the synagogue and drove out demons. He healed a man with leprosy. He healed a paralytic. He called Levi, a tax collector, to follow him. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He taught, with, or he taught concerning fasting. He taught concerning the Sabbath. He called 12 men to be with him to preach and to drive out demons. He taught concerning blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. He redefined family. He taught his disciples concerning the kingdom of God. He could heal a demon man demon-possessed man, and no one could bind him. He raised a girl from the dead and healed a sick woman. He acknowledged that even though, acknowledges that he, he must be acknowledged for his being and character if someone is to be healed. Now, I went through that all very quickly and understand that, but that's what we have discussed to this point in Mark chapter 6. 
Jesus called the 12 to follow him. Not what he would do, but to follow him. And that's why I emphasize Christ, who he is and his being, and who he is and what he has done, because we are called to follow him, not merely what he might do. And when we come to Mark 6, verses 30 through 44, we find that the mission of the 12 is the defining theme to this point. And we found that we have another, what we call Mark and Sandwich, in that he sent the 12, but between sending the 12 and the 12 reporting, the martyrdom of John the Baptist is mentioned. And then the 12 return. As mentioned last week, the conclusion, the 12, the Roman readers, and believers today should expect that there may be some persecution and difficulty because we follow Christ. With that background in mind, notice what is taking place and where it is taking place in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus. Now they had been out, they ministered two by two. Jesus was not with them. They're coming back, they gather around Jesus, and they reported to him all they had done and taught. And the idea of reporting is to share what happened. He sent them, now there's an accounting. He didn't merely send them, there was also a reporting. The sending is separate from the reporting, but yet they're one and the same. Here I have a dollar bill. Now, if I go to the store and give them this dollar bill, they will accept it and probably not pay too much attention. But if I took a $100 bill, if you observe them, if you give a $100 bill, they look at it a little bit closer. Now, suppose you take this dollar bill, and it so happens the clerk turns it over and sees there's no printing on the back. She'll probably hand it back to you and say, you know, give me a dollar bill. A dollar bill is not a dollar bill, unless you have printing on both sides with a number of things. So Jesus sent them one side, they reported the other side for the disciples to be following Christ involved being sent. One side, reporting the flip side. That's critical throughout the Gospels. Jesus didn't just send, they reported. And as we discussed last week, as parents, as church, as leaders, we don't merely give people things to do, we want reporting, accountability, because... That's God's design. So the 12 come back, they gather around him, they're going to share. And notice what happens. Verse 31, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. That's not the first time that happened. Listen as I read from Mark chapter 3 and verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. Here's another situation. The 12 have been sent. 
They come back, they're going to report. They're getting together with Jesus, and people just flock around, and they're peopled to death. Wonderful, but yet draining on tired men. One writer says, Mary had a little lamb. It was given her to keep, but then it joined the local church and died for lack of sleep. When it comes to people in ministry, it's taxing because people have needs, they have struggles. The 12 have been out, they've been ministering. They're going to report. And they get people to death. They didn't even have a chance to eat. So Jesus' response, come with me by yourself to a quiet place for some rest. Now think of having been busy, just go, go, go for weeks. And you anticipate, oh, going to take some quiet time. And I'm going to get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now notice, Jesus is the one initiating that they get away. Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. We're people to death. You've been around people, you need a break. So let's go to a quiet place. We'll get some rest. So they went. They get into a boat. The text clearly says to go to a solitary place. And then in verse 13, the word but appears. But many who saw them leaving recognized them, recognized the 12, recognized Jesus, and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Now, if I understand the geography right, and you look at some other Gospels, where Jesus was going with his 12 was probably about four miles across the lake. For the people to run to where they thought the solitary place was would have been about eight miles. Now notice the text clearly says they recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. How many are there? Later in the text it says Jesus fed 5,000 men. So we're dealing with a sizable group of people that are running to get there. Apparently they must have known about this quiet place. So they run, they get there, and what happens? When Jesus landed, and the 12 are with him, if I think anything like the 12 did, I can almost see them saying, oh, they're sure. And they get a little bit closer. Rest, quiet, look at that crowd, Jesus. We didn't sign up for this. We're supposed to be getting a break. It'd be like you planning your vacation. 
God, we get away for a whole month. And you get to where you're going, and your phone rings. It says, I just want you to know that your house burned. Probably be good to come home. Several of your family members are in the hospital. They just went, you know, after you left to the hospital. There's a couple other things. You probably should come home. Anticipating rest, a quiet place. And what happens? There's a crowd of people there. What is Jesus' response? When Jesus landed, it's interesting, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, the 12 had to land also. It doesn't say anything about them at this point. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them. I'm going to go through a bunch of things here. <clears throat> uh, maybe I went too far. Did I do? <clears throat> but anyway, Jesus had compassion on them. The word for compassion isn't an intense word. We'll get there. Okay, compassion, it's an intense word. The ancient Greek word involved the stomach. It implies tender emotions, tender mercy. Last Sunday night, about 2 o'clock, well, it was actually Monday morning, Ruth Ann got out of bed and she went to the bathroom and she stayed in the bathroom and she stayed in the bathroom and she stayed in the bathroom. I thought I better go check on her. So I went to the bathroom and I said, what in the world are you doing? And oh, she was worshiping at the porcelain throne. And after a while she got back in bed and then after a while I heard her get up again. And she went to the bathroom again. I don't know how many times she you know, threw up and went the other way. But I bring it out for a reason. She said to me, it's about as bad as having a baby. Now, I use that to merely illustrate compassion. Compassion affects you in your gut. That is, your inner gut, your inner person. Jesus has compassion. Just as Ruth Ann had trouble Inwardly, Jesus is expressing that inward troubling of his towards people, understanding their situation, which leads to concern, which is impressed or <clears throat> expressed in practical and meaningful ways. Just as one hurts physically when they may be sick, Jesus is hurting for people. Why? Because they're like people without a shepherd. What are people like without a shepherd? They're sheep. God intentionally uses the description of sheep, sheep for humans, for believers. 
Sheep are helpless. Sheep are helpless. You and I are helpless. We're sheep. Sheep are defenseless. The other day I picked up a rock and there was a snake underneath. I don't like snakes. I don't care if they're poisonous or not. But if they're poisonous, they have a defense. Sheep have no defense. Sheep tend to wander and drift from the flock. That's just the nature of sheep. That's what they do. If you want to, don't believe me, buy a couple sheep. Just let them wander. You'll probably never find them unless you go after them quickly. They cannot be driven. You can drive cattle, but you can't drive sheep. Sheep are troubled by various items, nose, flies, sore feet, colds, distemper. Sheep cannot live alone. And if you read anything about sheep, shepherds will tell you they're stupid. Sheep are stubborn. They're timid. You know, they just back away. They require continual unconditional love and acceptance. Jesus says, or, Jesus, or Mark says, Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> That's true of those people and that's true of people in general. <clears throat> Obviously, sheep need a shepherd. The people, the crowd of 5,000 men, and if there were women and children, it would have been more, are like sheep, as we described. There's a definite need. So Jesus reaches out and ministers to them as a shepherd. And we'll say more about this passage, Lord willing, in a couple weeks. I want to wrap it up as we discuss. By nature, we are tempted to sin. When we sin, we tend to withdraw from our shepherd. The result is more trouble. When we withdraw from our shepherd or shepherds, we wonder. We fall over a cliff. We get lost. The enemy delights and smiles, saying, yes. It becomes a downward spiral. Christ came so that we could have a shepherd. Now, I want you to think about a teen who doesn't listen to his or her parents. I'm not talking the occasional disobedience, but a teen that kind of is developing a pattern of not listening to mom and dad. They're not listening to their shepherds, if you please. What's going to happen? Grades will be deeply influenced many times. They will tend to hang with the wrong crowd. They will tend to develop lying. They tend to become angry, along with a host of other things, because they're not following their shepherds. How about a man who rejects rebuke and teaching? <clears throat> In this case, I'm saying from a pastor. He'll tend to become indifferent. He'll become passive in leading his home. He won't discipline his children. He'll feed his mind in most anything. 
He'll end up pursuing money. And it could be a host of other items. How about a wife that does her own thing and does not follow her husband's leadership? Her children will tend to treat her husband, their father, as she treats him. Children will tend to dishonor her dad. And she'll end up doing harm to her husband. How about a husband or a father who is not accountable? You know, he's not willing to be under a shepherd. He'll pursue pleasure. He'll tend to be selfish. He'll feed his mind with much ungodly input. And we could list a host of other items. As you go through the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus reaches out to people and he ministers to them because he is the great shepherd. And then he calls other people to be shepherds. He calls pastors, he calls elders to shepherd. Parents are to shepherd and so on. Sheep need a shepherd. No matter how you cut it, sheep need a shepherd. Because of the description that we gave earlier about sheep and what they're like, we need a shepherd. I, as a pastor, need a shepherd. Christ, obviously, is all of our shepherd if we come to faith in Christ. The elders try to keep tabs on me. I better put it the other way. That sounds like they're not doing a good job or I'm not submitting. <laughs> but, you know, I need a shepherd. I have some other pastors that I will call and I will talk to and I ask them to call me. I need a shepherd. I tend to wonder. I tend to stray. I'm helpless. I'm stupid. I'm stubborn. I need a shepherd. Elders, husband, or elders need a shepherd. Might be myself. And husbands need a shepherd. It might be the elders. It might be myself. Guys, Travis and Jeff need a shepherd. By nature, we're helpless. We're defenseless. We do our own thing. We're stubborn. That's the nature of us. Fathers need a shepherd. It might be myself. It might be the elders. Someone who is willing to talk to them. But if they're sheep, they need to also be willing to listen. Wives need a shepherd. One of the primary shepherds of a wife is their husband. Mothers need a shepherd. Primary shepherd is their husband. Let me say something to you guys and something to you ladies. We guys tend to be passive by nature. It goes back to Genesis chapter 3. We tend not to accept responsibility by nature. It goes back to Genesis chapter 3. You wives, you mothers tend to be bossy at times and try to tell us how to live and respond. And I don't say that critically or negatively. That's the nature of it. Genesis chapter 3. And when we men remain passive and don't take responsibility and we don't shepherd our wives, 
it hurts them, and they want to step in and play the role that we are to be fulfilling. And then they say, well, are you never going to do that? Are you going to never take care of this kid? And then we say, well, can't you listen to me? And you have a battle. God had a reason for giving men shepherds and giving husbands shepherds and fathers shepherds and a reason giving wives and mothers a shepherd. It's his design. We're sheep. Children need a shepherd. And a primary shepherd, and I'm not diminishing mother here, but I'm saying a primary shepherd is father. I can say about every child and teen here, whether or not you basically have a pattern of obeying mom and dad, but particularly dad. You say, Pastor, you're not always around. I can observe you and know what happens at home. You say, how? How you respond when the name dad is mentioned and how you respond to authority overall. Because you're dealing with your shepherd, a primary shepherd. How about students? Students need a shepherd. It'd be parents, and in some case, teachers. Citizens, maybe pastors and elders, and sometimes political leaders. Sheep without a shepherd, and the reason I spent some time on the sheep without a shepherd is because we are sheep. We need a shepherd. The times that I get into trouble is because I'm trying to get out from under the shepherd. We're sheep. We need a shepherd. The 5,000 were like sheep without a shepherd. And what does Jesus do? He had compassion on them, and he began to teach them, and we'll pick up on that. And also, then he fed them. I'd like to share the account of a person who did not follow their shepherd. This man, this is true, this man did not listen well to his parents when he was growing up. He was not with them very much. When he got off to college, he didn't listen well to the profs and generally took the easy way. When he got married and was attending church, he didn't listen well to his pastor. Oh, he heard words, but he didn't act on them. The result is trouble, he doesn't accept responsibility as a husband, as a father. His wife is angry and he's bitter. His children are very upset. He's got him into some financial trouble. He loves ungodly mental intake and he rejects encouragement and rebuke. It began with dad and mom, not responding to the shepherd, shepherds in his life. 
He could off to school, he didn't respond to the shepherds in his life. He get married, he didn't respond to the shepherds in his life. He's being like a sheep, but not accepting shepherd. There's a teen, and this is true, who did not follow his shepherd. He did not listen to his parents well. He tolerated his teachers in school. He rejected the counsel and teaching of a teen leader, Sunday school teacher, and a pastor. It got him into quite a bit of trouble, poor grades, can't keep a job, irresponsible, in trouble financially, and involved in some alcohol. It goes back to not admitting they're a sheep that needs a shepherd. Every one of us here this morning is a sheep. And the description that I gave of a sheep is true of each one of us. We need a shepherd. Christ is our ultimate shepherd. That's why he came, so that we can have life and relationship with God. But God has brought other shepherds. He gives a local church, a pastor, elders. He gives Sunday school various leaders. He gives children, parents, and so on. We need shepherds. We all need shepherds because we're sheep. Are you willing to admit you're a sheep and follow the shepherds that God has placed in your life? That's your choice. Let's pause in silence.